0: And welcome everybody to another edition of my independence report. And I believe no, I know that I have a really good one today. Uh, we we're talking with a gentleman who is all the way on the other side of the planet, virtually for me. Uh, he's in he's in the happy town of Ireland, or the happy uh, country of Ireland, and his name is William Skinnell, and he is with us. and He's an author. He's got one book that's out. He's got a couple of more that are are sitting on the shelf, ready to come out. He is a he's a very gifted man. He's been working with Michelle Blood. If you listen to some of the other podcasts that Michelle did she's just a phenomenal person we're going to talk about her a little bit and but we're also going to talk about William and where he comes from and why he's doing what he's doing and well let's start with what are you doing William nice first of all welcome to the podcast nice to see you
1: thank you very much Kevin for having me here um what I'm doing is I suppose I had a huge shift in my life um where some people would say, I had everything that you could want, and I was miserable. And to say that, you know, you just uh, used a term there a while ago, you know, about hate and, and and stuff like that, you know, and I was at a stage in my life for many, many years, I didn't understand what was happening. I just worked, worked, worked. I was a workaholic. I worked in the aviation industry. Um. You know, you just said gifted person. I never considered myself gifted. I still don't consider myself gifted because I think what I do or what I can do, other people can do. But there was times in my life when I did do something extraordinary that everybody else thought was extraordinary, but I couldn't acknowledge it. I wasn't open to receiving. And what we're talking here, open to receiving, is very, very important. It's like when I worked in the aviation industry, I... Invented a machine that I know and I believe today is still hidden away. The company that has it don't want to patent it because if they patent it, other companies will know it and build something similar. Oh, so but they make a lot of money from this machine, okay. But within my contract, I had to sign that it was signed over to them
0: and probably the a non disclosure and all that kind of good stuff, yes.
1: Too. When I joined the company, but the thing is to have that there I never thought I did anything yet they still to the present day cover this up and it's hidden away from anybody else that can know about it because they can do some work with it that would take like in the region of one sixth at a time but still charge the same amount of money ah. for it to be done over that period of time with these very expensive million euro machines so I never thought myself special Then another time I did um, a procedure that wasn't in the operational manuals. They brought in uh, engineers from Germany, Finland, British Airways, all these different people to stand over me to see a procedure that wasn't supposed to be possibly done to be able to accomplish. And I just did it. And it changed the operation manuals all over the world. And I didn't think I did anything. I couldn't accept. I wasn't open to receiving. I couldn't see myself as deserving of everything. And everybody was saying like, wow, you know what you did, what you did. But I I couldn't accept it. And um, What I'm getting at here is that a lot of us are stuck in that same place where we're not open to deserving. We're not open to receiving. And when I even say receiving, it's receiving this information that even I'm speaking about now and we'll be speaking about later, a lot of us will shut down. We've just closed ourselves up. But it's not only that we're not open to receiving this information. It's like if somebody comes along to us and sees us on a, just an off day and say, wow, Kevin, your hair looks great. And straight away, Kevin jumps in and says, wow, uh, I did nothing with my hair. You rejected that internally. It wasn't your conscious that rejected. It was your subconscious because you didn't deserve the compliment you taught. And this is an internal dialogue that's happening inside of us all the time. And it only... It may have started with that one little compliment, but it's, it goes right across the board. Even it goes as far as money is concerned. We're not open to receiving money. We're not open to receiving anything. It's like, you know, I see it over here. We have these uh, sh- clothes shops over here that are cheap. And um, they're called Pennies and they, they branch out across the world. They're called Primark. And when somebody compliments somebody that's wearing one of their outfits, they say, oh, this, I bought this in Pennies. Straight away, they rejected the compliment and they didn't even know they did it. Right. It's an internal thing and all these type of things are happening internally. We're going through life and we have no idea. Am I speaking too fast for you? No, you're just, doing great. Oh, okay. You're so too- basically we have to come aware of that our subconscious mind is running the show. And if we don't get a handle on that, we basically uh, we just go along like people that are just blind to what's showing up. It's just oh, another one of these. Oh my God, that showing up again. That showing up again, and you know we just said mm, happens to everybody, but it doesn't.
0: Well, now I gotta it, ask they, you. I gotta ask you a question, William, because that brings up an important point for me, and which is that everyone feels like they are undeserving. They don't deserve it, and when they get a compliment, they don't believe it, and they they make excuses for it there and so forth how do you or how did you get out from under that rock that is really hard for a lot of people to get out from under and let your light shine um how did
1: i do it i would say the help of (laughs) michelle would have had a lot to do with it but I, i i teach differently in a class um because michelle is energy and basically, um, if anybody doesn't know who I'm talking about, it's Michelle Blood. And basically, she's been my teacher now for uh, nine years. And when she does things, she can influence your life in ways that is extraordinary. And, you know, you don't know what's happening until it happens. And, <laughs> but I don't teach that way when I teach because I don't have her power. So I teach in a different way. First of all, I bring it to your attention. Like when I said a compliment, whether it's your hair, whether you did this, whether you did that. And I was one of the worst for it because I was a perfectionist. And when I say perfectionist, I would do things until they were perfect in every way. And it was only later on when I realized that when I started practicing meditation and what else, self-care is very important. I realized that my um, I, um, attention to detail had all to do with that I didn't feel good enough. I wasn't worthy enough, and it was a major thing. And Michelle even said it to me not so long ago. She said, before you had a huge unworthy problem, and I did. I, if somebody gave me something, I try to give them back something better. You know, if somebody gave me a gift, I would get them a better gift. And I was always like that, and I didn't know it was a problem. I had no idea it was a problem. When I say problem, we could say a challenge to change the world because we can change a challenge, a problem can always stay there. Yeah. Um, so, my perfectionist was that I felt internally I wasn't good enough and I wasn't deserving. So, I would strive and strive and strive. So, what I would do at times is I start people to get them to just take themselves out on a coffee date or a dinner date where they would take a lover or a partner where they would treat them. And I want them to go out there and I suggest them to and treat yourself just for a cup of coffee, just for a, something small at the start. But here's the key. Do not look at the price on the menu because if we take a lover out, we'll say order what you want. We never look at the price of the menu because now we're acting on pleasing them. And then please, that makes us feel good. But the thing is, if we start pleasing ourselves, if we practice self-care and we start looking after ourselves, in the first place is you take yourself out. Do not look at the price. So go out with, in your country, we say 50 to $100. Save it up over two months if you want. Take yourself out to dinner or coffee. Do not look at the price. Buy what you would think you would love to have. And this is the start of treating yourself with respect. And what happens is, after a while, you start sending out the signal to the people around you. You're like an antenna. You're sending out a signal. And if you don't respect yourself, how do you expect other people to respect yourself? And that's where I was. When I was in the aviation industry, I used to work supposed to be eight hours a day. I used to be doing 12 and a half because they wanted me on the next shift to train people. Then I would be in Saturday as well. I was just work, 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 work. Because... They always took somebody that they knew would get the job done. And I had no um, respect for myself and they didn't have it for me either. They thought, wow, what a worker and would accomplish things. But they said, just ask him, just ask him, just ask him. It was always the same. And I didn't know that this was something that was showing up in my life. And it's only when I got to realize then it's the signal we send out to the world. It's what's reflect about it. so you start respecting yourself treating yourself doing stuff for yourself even if it means just sitting down in the room with yourself and talking to yourself but talking nice and there's some great ways of doing that it's you know no i'm serious no i know it's, when you're a baby and you walk in front of a mirror you smile because you like what you see big belly and all but when you get older you get conditioned and this conditioning comes from your peers, your parents, TV, the media, you know, celebrities. And suddenly you're not acceptable anymore. And we have celebrities there and where all these young girls want to look like these celebrities. And the funny thing is the celebrities want to look like that too. It's the celebrities don't like what they see. So they put plastic into their body. So they're miserable themselves. And all these young girls say, wow, look at her. But that celebrity saying, wow, I'd like to look like that too. So internally, they're unhappy. So what I do is I, I teach people, like, is go in front of the mirror, okay? Mirrors are fabulous, okay? Because that reflection on the other side of the mirror is you, okay? This is the person that goes around every day when you're walking down the street. This is you. And I start with, I teach people to look in front of that mirror, and smile at yourself for three minutes. For some people, it feels like eternity. They'll even stop to check the phone or to check the time. The, the clock has stopped, you know. And you know, I say to some people, go into the bathroom and flush the toilet. Then you know the clock hasn't stopped. <laughs> wait and just look in the mirror and smile in at that face. Just look into your eyes and smile. You can move then to the next stage where you can say, "I love you." But you're just speaking to yourself. You're speaking to this inner child, if you want to call it your subconscious. But you're giving it the love that it didn't get somewhere along the line. So you're actually giving it now what it needs. But at the start, it's going to reject it for most people on the basis. It's like having a child in the backseat of your car all your life. And now I brought it to your attention. The child is there. The child was always there. It gave you migraines, gave you headaches, tried to get your attention, screaming. But now that you turn around and you notice it, you don't expect to say, oh, yes, great, everything's perfect. It's going to mistrust you. So you need to start with smiling at it. And you'll be surprised that the things that are going to come up in your mind, you're going to find so many things wrong with your face, even though there's nothing wrong with your face. And we even get, you know, I've seen one in particular woman, she won Miss World. Okay? And Miss World is supposed to be all beauty. Oh yeah. And straight straight after she won Miss World, she got cosmetic surgery. So what? internally internally she was looking in that mirror and she didn't like what she saw.
0: Well, you know, so- it, when it, 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 I just wanna mention that when I suppose that when you are gorgeous and everybody believes you to be gorgeous you tend to not believe what they're telling you because everybody's saying that, but you don't see it in yourself. Is that, yes? that's the problem, right? Yes, you don't see it
1: and you don't believe it. They can say it a hundred, hundred, they can say it a million times, but it's not going in because the rejection inside of you is that I don't see that. And I used to go to this gym before and um, the place was a poser's gym and when i say posers i mean the girls came already no no it's like it's like going to the beach but you went to the sunbeds first (laughs) (laughs) so you didn't even know the sun is there before they used to go to get a tan now they need the tan to go to the beach (laughs) so so now the girls are coming into the gym they're already in fabulous shape they have low-cut tops on which everything is perfect but the waistline is fabulous every part of them and they walk up to the mirror And they look in close. And then you see them pulling at their eyelids. They've seen the flaw. That little thing in their eyelids, they're pulling at it, standing back. And suddenly they they can't see that what they have is fine. And, you know, they've got their body into a shape. Some of them are natural, others are not. But the thing is, they got their body into a shape where they're really happy with it. But now they're looking at the flaws right under their eyelid. And this girl could be 22, 23, 24, 25 in the prime of her life. And still she finds something. This is internal dialogue that's going on all, all the time. It's like a, it's an inner mind chatter and it's, it's constant. And if you don't quite that, but at the same time change it, you know, as Michelle has their, uh, the likes of affirmations to change that. I, I, would uh, do uh, at the same time is that, you know, not only the mirror, I would start uh, rave in front of the mirror. You'd be surprised how you can change your vibration when you're raving in front of the mirror in front of some music, you know, uh, and the right music, because most songs today are like, Oh my God, I'm missing you. And um, you know, I, I can't live without you. This most songs, you know, and this is what we're inputting into our minds and you know, there's so many things that we don't even know what we're inputting because I met um, a Canadian lady, lady lately and there's um, a song that developed in Ireland from to do with people dying. okay? And I was shocked to hear this lady knew it. She knew this song and it, it, the song and the song went ring a ring a rosary, box full of posies, a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. This- How it circled around, this was about Ring a ring of roses, the rings they get on their body. A box full of posies are the tissues they be holding on their face and around their body, and then a, a tissue a tissue and we all they die. This has been taught to children. It's amazing how people have don't realize what they're teaching. And it's the same as when we carry on around children what we're teaching them. And you know, it's amazing that this information we've been fed. And it's only after a period of time of sitting down with yourself you see what's showing up. And you know, I just gave you just a couple of examples. There, just particularly one, you know, with the mirror and you know how you change that dialogue inside. Stay there with the mirror, smile. And you'll be surprised after a little while, you'll stop seeing the flaws. I know I did. I started shifting from looking at the floor, Oh, my God, I need to cut my eyebrow down a little bit. Okay, I need to shave better. You know, all these little flaws I was seeing, yet after a while, they all started to disappear. Then I started to learn how to smile to myself. Then I realized I was smiling. Then I realized other people were smiling back to me on the street or in the shopping center. But what was happening was I changed my features. I changed it from going around with a frown. Unintentionally, I didn't know I had a frown smiling and you know it's so kind of unnatural in a way when people smile at me because I say this is that when people normally go wrong they would frown to a certain extent it's like when somebody enters a bar or a restaurant and they have a big smile on their face and they're on their own most people will look at them and say something unusual here maybe they had some drink maybe they took some tablets but It doesn't seem right. But if they came in with a big cranky head on them or just look bored of their life, they say, oh, that's normal. (laughs) And, you know, not really. That's the way it is. It's true. And We've accepted it. Like in Ireland, a judge, because when I was going for my license, I smiled and I was told to stop because a judge ruled in Ireland that smiling is not your natural identity. You no, know, it's ruling.
0: I, I was shocked really? when he said it. Yeah, a judge ruled on it. Well, but, but <laughs> he must have been a sourpuss. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's a judge in Ireland. He can't get me here. <laughs> he can get you. Well, I couldn't smile
1: at my license, but I still tried. But uh, <laughs> but the thing is that it, it just goes to show that you know, even with education, everything it doesn't matter if we have that internal dialogue. You know, I sometimes call them the cheerleaders because even when we start to do affirmations inside and we just say that I say that I am happy, I am lucky. And inside of me, it's like these cheerleaders. It's like a cheerleader band saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. And they drown out the sound. Uh, You know, it's it's the same as, you know, I can say even this is just my opinion. Okay, is when we pray, if we decide to pray. And we say to God, oh, please help me. You've got all these cheerleaders. No, 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 we're fine down here. So who do you think are going to listen to? (laughs) That is shouting up with all these cheerleaders that are droning out yours. And basically, it's just come to a stage where we have to make a decision in our lives that where we are right now could be better. And... I had um, a huge shift when I was, I had a business, so I two businesses, but one in particular used to bring me to, around Asia, and I used to uh, love traveling around places like uh, Northern Thailand and Indonesia, because they all used to smile, and I, I love that, because in Ireland they don't smile anymore unless somebody smiles back or something. um so I, I loved that when I, I saw that around the place, but... I remember one time out with my driver, cadet. And here's the thing is where I was staying, I never used to treat myself, but I used to just grab what I could grab. And one time I grabbed a suite in this hotel. And, and in Asia, hotels are like, wow, if you think you've got something good in America, go see Asia. I mean, they're like, uh, even if you get a, a four star or a five star in America, you're talking about a three star in Asia. They oh, wow. go over that. I mean, really, I mean, <laughs> you go into your hotel and you up on some floor, you have tennis courts, you have swimming pools up there, <laughs> you have amazing gyms, everything. it's just amazing. But some of them, then you go through, it's like, a, it's like airport security going in there. Everything has to go through these things and there's security everywhere. But it's beautiful when you're in there. But I remember my suite had a swimming pool in it. But it was only about 24 feet long, the swimming pool. But...
0: Ho- wait, 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 wait! Your hotel room had a twenty-four foot sweet, uh, sweet. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's just you were just staying there. That's that was no nice. Oh yeah, yes, me, just me. Yeah, and you had a you yeah. had a swim. <laughs> You're yes, right. We don't I have stayed, we don't have those here.
1: Yeah, two hotels like that, I had. I stayed in. Wow. And yeah, I come in, I close my door, and you could dive into your pool. You'd swim up. No, as I say, it's only about the swimming pool. would be only about twenty-four feet long and you'd swim up and then you get out and you could go into your bedroom and then there's a shower there and then there's um a kitchen area a living room and if you wanted the hotel staff would come in and cook your lunch or your breakfast here rather than you go up to where everybody else is having their breakfast so i was staying in this and i was miserable okay I had, I would be carrying on each day a lot of money on me because I had to buy stuff with cash to ship it back to Ireland. And I remember out with Cadet one day and we stopped somewhere for, I don't know, was it a coffee or something? Because she used to force me to stop. And um, I remember I was looking out at this man and he had a small little plot of land and he was working on it. And I... Must have said something in the way of you know you know how people survive out here, and she says, "But he has everything." And I goes, "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Look, he's that little bit of land he grows his vegetables. He has a motorbike. What else does he need?" And I'm thinking, "My God, you know, <laughs> I had probably around fifteen thousand euros in my pocket, okay, to change it over to their currency, and I had credit cards, everything to go to the banks, and and I was miserable." I had the money, but I couldn't enjoy it. And i that was my mindset, okay? It was where i we all have different states of mind. So even the money couldn't shift my state of mind. And the thing was that I said, there's no way he could be happy. And she said, but he has everything. He probably has a family a home. He can sell his veggies in the market. What more does he need? And I just couldn't get my head around that because I was here and I was... I wouldn't say, no, looking back now, I'd say I was miserable. But back then, I wouldn't have said I was miserable. I just said, uh, this is life. Everybody's like this. You know, I just may have had the money. Everything was selling. You know, but the thing was that I thought everybody was the same. There's nobody out there happy. And if they are, they're bluffing it and i didn't know that you could shift from one to the other you know i I thought laughter was only allowed you know it's like a movie you go to a movie and the first 90 minutes of the movie is misery and then the last seven to ten minutes is the happy ending so we have to go through the misery to go way down before we, we get feel happy it's like everything is conditioned to be feel miserable first before we get that little 10 minutes of happiness and we go through our life like that everything is like we go for the night with a load of people and we have a few drinks and something. We're happy, joking, laughing. And then we go back to our normal life of misery. Now, when I say misery, I don't real misery, misery, but we go back to a life where happiness don't seem to exist anymore. We just get on with life because we've been told and conditioned that.
0: So where was it? There had to have been a moment when yes, you said, the, when you said, yes. all right, there's this, there's enough of this. I need to make some changes.
1: Okay, there was two moments. There was one I stayed in Jakarta, you know, another suite. But as I said, I wasn't looking after me. But this suite did not have a swimming pool. But it had on, I think about the 11th floor, floor, it had this swimming pool that was enormous. I mean, really enormous. Um, Hotel Moolah, it was called. It was a five-star hotel. And the top floor had about four to six uh, tennis courts on it. Oh wow! I think there was 14 to 18 restaurants in it. Um, it was a nightclub where when you went into the nightclub, you couldn't bring in your phone or you couldn't bring in your cameras. Because all the rich were in there. There were rich Arabs, everything. And nobody, it was, but it was really beautiful place. And I remember I booked in there. And I remember sitting down in my um well, inside, I had a, a suite area, but then I went into my bedroom, but my bedroom had sofas, everything in there. And I remember sitting down on my sofa and waking up next morning, and I was still sitting on the sofa. I paid a lot of money for that hotel room, and that was where my life was. I just fell asleep. I'm tired from work. But that was the start of it. Something was, you know, I didn't... I was a huge bed, a apartment, or the suite was beautiful. But it happened when I was in this... Um, A suite again in Bali and this Bali one didn't have a swimming pool either But it had a couple of rooms and I remember going down to I think it was a four or five star hotel. I remember going down to Have my breakfast in the morning. I'd normally have breakfast about seven because I'd have a driver then waiting for me to take me wherever I wanted out to the villages to buy the, the stuff I wanted and I remember this hotel is where people travel for their honeymoons. People come from all over the world, go to a hotel like this for their honeymoon. Because right across the road is the beach. The white beach is right across the road. Okay. And I remember coming down and sitting down there. The outside was beautiful where all the trees were done. The music was coming out of the trees. They had speakers buried into the trees. Everything was amazing. And I remember I sat down to have my breakfast and instead of facing the beach, I faced this wall that was about six feet away from me. And I was sitting there and I was having my breakfast. And I just felt how miserable I felt, how tired I felt. And I didn't know what I was doing, where I was going. And that was, that was the moment something was changing within me. That I can't go on like this. I just can't go on. And as I said, the, I used to come back at night. I would never go near the swimming pools. Very seldom, I say. If if I was out there, we say even twenty times. I probably went to swimming pool twice, three times maybe the most. And and I would spend a month at a time out in these places. Oh, but at the at the end of the day, that's where where I was. But it's 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 not as glamorous. It is glamorous, but when you have my mindset back then, I was taught all I was doing was living in hotel rooms. Everybody was calling it exotic, beautiful. It was all that, but. I was from hotel to hotel, and I was working. But my mindset was miserable. And when I sat in front of that wall with this white beach behind my back that people spend, you know, they save a lot to go to a place like this. And I'm there sitting, looking at a wall. That's when it happened. There was suddenly a shift. that I can't go on like this. I don't want to go on like this. And then I came back to work. I didn't know, sorry, I went on to to China after that and I was totally miserable in China. I didn't like the body language or anything and then I came home and I suppose at that stage I started looking for something internally or something out there and the funny thing was that I would have my laptop and I would be going through it and I remember one stage coming across this blonde lady. Here's the thing (laughs) is that I saw Lots of enlightened gurus and stuff like that. I came across them and, you know, they all had to, in my eyes, to be old. They could be a man, they could be a woman. But they needed, in my eyes, internally, I just think they had to be old. And Michelle wasn't old and she was blonde. And so, nah, dismiss it, you know, couldn't do it. So I remember then going back another thing because what she was talking about added up. Because mm-hmm. I think she was speaking my language. When I say language is that I understood what she was talking about because I've now I know what they're talking about. But I remember listening to some of these uh, different uh, teachers from around the world and I couldn't get the gist of what they were talking about. And I could get the gist of what she was talking about. And then I decided to listen to her. And I think I listened to her once or twice on YouTube. And I think I decided to look. When I say I think, I know I did, but it was this is is kind of blurry. I started looking for other YouTube videos of her, and then only to see that I'd saved loads of YouTube's videos of her, and I don't remember saving them. I don't even remember ever seeing her. Wow! So it was like it was like she triggered something in me, and I saved this. I bookmarked all these pages. And there were all these videos of horror, and um, I, I don't know how that happened, but I had all saved all them. Now, there's another thing. When I traveled to Indonesia, India, Thailand, I used to bring back all these Buddha statues and lots of that sort of stuff, the yin and the yang. So I would have a lot of spiritual people entering my shop. And people used to come into my shop and just go, wow. Because of the way I put it together. Because I did something that most people would say it's crazy. I bought what I liked. (laughs) Not what the customer wanted. (laughs) But the customer loved what I liked. So all these spiritual people used to come into my shop. And I used to hear this. And that, all this type of spiritual talk. And most of it used to just go over my head. Suddenly what Michelle was talking about seemed to resonate. Then I realized that she had this uh, club that you could join and you could get more information. So I decided to apply. So I fill out the application form, sent it off. And I remember something that happened. I don't remember when I got the reply. Did I get the reply a couple of uh, several hours later or the next day? But just before I got the reply, I got all these tingling in my head. And it went all the way down, my left hand side of my brain down to my face. And I remember a couple of spiritual people were in my shop, and I remember um, I asked them. I said, "I get all this tingling all over the side of my face and everything." And they say you need to go to hospital. You need to get your brain, you know, scanned. Everything. There's something wrong there. And I was asking these other spiritual people. You know, it felt funny, and they were all telling me go to hospital, go to hospital. So I sent an email to. Um, A chap at the time, I knew nothing about Trevor Rogers. He was our office um, manager. And I said, I got all these tingles because I just, sorry, just after I got the tingles, I saw I got accepted. So actually, what happened next was Trevor sent back, Michelle said, this is wonderful. Uh, now I know what was happening, but back then I was clueless and everybody that was coming into my shop that claimed they were spiritual were all clueless as well. She was connecting with my energy, using her energy. I uh-huh. understand it now, and not only I understand it, it's a case of that I see it as normal. <laughs> I wouldn't, they didn't back then, as I said, I was asking all these people and they didn't know what I was talking about. And it was just that she was able to connect with my energy. And when I was feeling it, I was feeling all this tingling in my brain. Yep. I was feeling it, especially down the left hand side of my face. And I joined up and I used to remember her calls back then, it used to be on at 2 a.m. in the morning. So I used to get up all the time and listen to them. Others I used to listen to them in my shop next day because my shop was quite big. And so I could go to the other end of it, even when customers in and listen to it. Um, And I never encroached on customers. I always just gave them my name. I said, if you need me, I'm down here. So just let them off. And I just realized I started practicing meditation. Oh, I was already practicing meditation before that. But I was it was tough. And then I decided that I would practice it Michelle's way. And it started getting easier and getting easier and getting easier. And then after a while, things started happening. And when things that she was talking about, I knew nothing about. And then they started happening and then I was like, wow. And I would tell Michelle about it and she would say, great, normal. <laughs> <laughs> but then these things started happening frequently to me and then now I say, normal. Because some of the stuff, you know, I, I don't get into detail in this and I never do Is even when I do classes is uh, when Michelle talks about the Kundalini energy and I know that when I'm practicing meditation, I have this flow of energy coming up from the base of my spine, and it runs right up to the, my neck, and just where you go, in there you have a, a cerebellum. just there where at the back of my skull, it seems to connect there, and when it connects, it's like oh, something opens, and excuse me for saying this if I offend anybody, it's the same as having an orgasm. And it happens again and again and again. And it's amazing how this flows up. And it's like boom, boom. And it's like you're connecting to something. And it's it's normal now. It wasn't normal back then. had the start, like, wow. You know, and the other thing, you go into meditation and I feel all the tingling in my brain. And when I focus on other people, I feel the tingling in my brain again. And, you know, some of the stuff is weird because, you know, I I, some, I teach in a college sometimes at night. And when I teach there, I had this woman who came to my class. And I, I can only guess that she was sent by a doctor or something to learn meditation to help her. And, and she walked into the class and she I could see she was agitated. She couldn't sit on her seat. She was twisting, turning. This was day one and she was really agitated. And... Each time when I do something, I ask, is there any questions? or And I remember one day she challenged me to say that meditation is not less, you know, I do this, I do this and everything. And uh, she said, and I said, I never said meditation. So I didn't challenge her. I left her. And she said, but you're not giving us a chance a chance to talk. And I said, but I've given everybody a chance to talk each time I stop. I know I'm not giving you a chance right now, but we're against the clock. Um So my classes there would be continuously, so it'd be uh, two hours at a time. So I said that as far as, you know, you get time to talk. I asked them, had they any experiences, how they feel, everything. And she wasn't speaking up at all, at all, at all. And then she challenged me that they weren't getting a chance, which everybody in the room knew they were. So our next meditation, I focused my attention on her. And the amazing thing, as I said before, I would have said this is magic, but now I say it's normal. So during the meditation, when I go into that state, my attention went to her. And I remember her leaving the class at nine o'clock at night, and she was like a puppy running alongside me, talking to me, dancing, telling me this. Now she was like life in her, she was bouncing. And you know, you say, How can that happen? <laughs> You know, you know, what, what's happening here? Will you explain it or what? I just look at it and say, That's normal. Now I do. But you know, to see something like that, that she went from wanting to fight me, being agitated, to suddenly alongside me going down the stairs of the college. And she was like, You know, my best friend, I want to know more. I want to know this. I want to know that. And she turned up next week and she waited till the end of the class again. She was like, you know, like a puppy alongside me. And you, you said, she said, how can this happen? So the thing is that most of us, we don't understand it because we're, our state of mind is right now. And it's where we are, you know, and, and everywhere where we are is perfect right now. It's, you know, it's exactly, it's like where I was back then. It's perfect back then. It's nobody's behind, nobody's ahead. But it's just when you free yourself up, And I found that when Michelle has been concentrating her attention on me and her energy, it freed me up. And, you know, I remember before practicing the likes of going in trainings for Reiki and stuff like that. And I suppose the way I came down to it was, it depends on whose energy you want to connect with. It's like energy is like a down shoot of a house. If you want the water to flow, that's coming down that make sure the shoot is clean. Ah. so it's whoever is actually supplying it to because i've seen people practice things and i see them and their mind is all over the place and they're you know you know they're in a place i wouldn't like to be and here they're charging people to give them energy so just be aware of who is putting their hands on you And and you know, important. But you're feeding your subconscious mind at the end of the day, you know. So um, I know we haven't spoke about the book. (laughs) Well, Well, this
0: this is. But this is no. But this is this is a really important topic because so many people are not feeling good about themselves. They're not feeling good about their life. They don't understand. We've got we've got a uh, culture of if you have a lot of money, you're going to be happy, and you're going to and you're going to be loved, and all that. Well, that has nothing to do with anything, and but most people are not happy. They are continually just not happy, and you're kind of giving folks an idea of how to then drop that and then be happy.
1: Yeah. Well, you know. I want to, it's, I, I often think about this is that it's not really happy for me. It's about activating the joy inside. The happiness is just the side effect, but you activate. But if your subconscious mind is running on a scale where you have taught, remember I said about the child in the back seat. Yeah. If you start caring for that, and if that part of you is happy, it'll bubble out. Because here's the thing, I now would get up in the morning, and this has been going on for years, where I would walk out to the kitchen and I just want to punch the air. You know, it's just one of, you know, with excitement inside, but it's bubbling up inside. I am not doing anything to bubble up. I just feel giddy. I feel good. I'm walking somewhere. I feel giddy. I feel good. But the giddiness is coming from inside because I train that part of me away from everyday life when i say everyday life in the old teachings like when we go into the classroom as we're children the teacher is there with a big grumpy head in them and they everybody has to be the same everybody has to do the same there's no individuality a child starts smiling in the class and the teacher will probably knock that smile off him something wrong with that child (laughs) so the thing is that we've been conditioned into this and but we can get We can deprogram ourselves. When I say deprogram, we can let that stuff go, and we can activate the joy because I go around there, and you know, I can do stuff, and still at the same time, I feel this bubble inside me. I feel this life inside me. I feel this joy inside me because I activated it. Now, I had help, and it's wonderful to get a teacher. A teacher actually is very, very important to have because the teacher will guide you. And that's what you really need. It's like even with, uh, if, uh, we say, if you want to do fat removal, where a lot of people, you know, they set a goal for Monday morning and they want to remove the fat. And we just say they don't have a problem with thyroid or pancreas or any of that, okay? And they're not pumping themselves with sugar into their liver and stuff. Now, they can make a decision on a Thursday that they're going to do it Monday. And then Monday shows up and suddenly, oh, God, no, I, I have to have that. I need this. I need this now who are are they fighting right now this is their subconscious mind has said no let's stay where we are and they don't even realize it is an internal fight going on in there and if they actually are just aware of that in the first place that's a good start it's like you're setting yourself it's like a thermostat in a room you set that thermostat to 60 when i say you set it unintentionally you set it to 60 and if you want to have the shape that you always wanted that shape is at 50. So you decide that you join a gym or you join, get a personal trainer. No, that trainer is at 50 and the people in the gym are at 50. So you get into the balls and you feel good and you align yourself with them. And we see all these celebrities who have these huge fat removal and suddenly you see different shapes. and suddenly, But they have personal trainers so they're actually gone into their energy. They're connecting with them and they're basically in the same vibe as them when they're there. It's like they shifted their thermostat down to 50. But then when the personal trainer goes away, straight away it resets itself back to 60 because you didn't change yourself internally. Right. Internally you're still at 60 degrees. And if you change in there first, then everything else will start changing. But it's still a lot of things to do with is you still have to be open to receiving like even when I'm speaking today it, some people are not open to receiving this information they'll <laughs> listen to me for two minutes and if what what well, 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 then well their mind they'll shift to something else right I need something else I need it fast I need the magic pill somebody's going to give it to me you know it's like that you know magic pills are out there maybe they are I didn't get a find any anyway but the thing is you know there is ways and methods of reducing body fat. There's the way I teach it is really what they taught in the boxing clubs. And then as far as the change in the mindset, but the mindset is still number one, because you can do the the techniques they use in the boxing clubs. But at the same time, if your mindset is, (laughs) it's like I used to go to this gym at six in the morning because I used to go there there was nobody there. And there was this one girl there and she used to be on this cross trainer. She would be going, 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 and amazing. And I just worked out in some of the weights. And she would be there when I arrived, and she would be there when I'm gone. And um, I remember one night, a couple of times I see her. Then she would join these, um, oh, these uh, classes on a bicycle, whatever you call it.
0: They call them spin classes.
1: Spinning classes, yes. She would be joining them and you see her coming out after an hour because I'd come into the gym, it might be late in the evening and I'd see her going in and coming out. And she'd be really training hard. And I remember going up to one of the trainers at one time and I said, I see her really friendly with um, that girl, I didn't know her name. And I said, you know, did you ever consider really, you know, taking her side, give her advice? She's here all the time. She's putting in the work. And he goes, what's the point? And I goes, what do you mean? What's the point? Because they're all friendly with her. So I told, you know, the only natural. Because you go to her Facebook page. She says, been at the gym and then she would name some famous fast food restaurant she's in eating. Yum, yum. <laughs> she went in, did her hour on the bikes and straight out to a chipper yeah. to buy fast food. So she may have gone into the gym and burned some body fat. But the thing is, her internal dialogue is to revert back to 60 degrees, this is where she exactly is. So if you shift your mindset first, and there's several ways of doing that. There's, you know, it's, it's not a magic pill, but there is a way of working. Then the way uh, in the book that I, I show you is that what they use in boxing clubs for many years. The amazing thing is that if a guy or a girl wants to remove body fat, they go to a gym. They go to all these wellness places, but they don't go to a boxing club in a boxing club. Removing body fat is second nature. They don't worry about that. They worry about the training for the fight. Right. We get you into shape. No problem. And this was when I was a kid, my father sent me to a boxing club where a physiotherapist had just opened, but the same guy had boxed for Ireland. And when I joined there, I was surprised to see all these other people that were all ex boxers. And they were feeding us the information that was fed to them. And it seems this is what happens in a lot of boxing clubs. The boxers go back to the clubs and they feed the information onto the next generation. But it doesn't seem to come out of the clubs. You go to the gyms, they don't teach this stuff. No. They don't teach about changing your metabolism, how to charge it up, but at the same time, to confuse the subconscious mind into a way that it, it thinks something is happening. So it starts to eat the body fat. To burn it whatever you want to call it because it thinks something else is coming and that's what they do in the pasta gloves plus they do other things is where they uh, they introduce come up to a fight. they use alkaline foods rather than any things that would be acid foods because we've acid foods and we've alkaline and our body naturally should be in alkaline just over into alkaline but nearly everything we eat is acid so basically if we can shift a little bit over to the alkaline we'll see a major shift in our body and it's actually can be done there's lots of foods out that are alkaline but it's the things that most of the fast foods at the moment that we're looking at are basically to do with um basically acid foods but the most important thing is changing the mindset and as i said i always thought you see i used to train myself and i used to see how I could control myself. And then when I became older, I started training young guys and I started teaching them. And, you know, the amazing thing was that I found in boxing clubs here was that most of the young fellows that used to join the club weren't joining to learn boxing to fight. They were always nearly being bullied. Oh, they yeah. Were coming, they were coming to learn how to defend themselves in some way. And it seemed to be right across the board I was finding it. There was no guy just walking up. Like, when I went to the boxing club, I was sent there. <laughs> I didn't, and my brother was too. My brother thought that was a bad idea. Girls wouldn't like, uh, so he walked away. But I got caught to stay. But the thing is, inside nightclub, we used to have all these sayings on the walls and stuff, and I didn't know what they were. I knew, but I used to work out to them, and I used to see that you know we could control our body weight with ease. And there's other things, you know. People do shadow boxing in. Um, basically, in clubs. Did you ever hear of shadow boxing? Oh, sure. They're they're standing in front of a mirror, and they're basically fighting an invisible opponent. Right. But that opponent is you. Now, today they call that creative visualization. Correct. But it's been around a long time in the boxing clubs. It's been there, and I mean, if anybody saw that latest movie uh, with Sylvester Stallone, Creed, the first one, he tells him that Your opponent is there in the mirror. That's who you're going up against. And basically, that's who you're fighting. Because at the end of the day, it's when you get into that ring, it's what you bring with you. It's not about the other guy. It's never about the other guy. It's about what you get into the ring. If you have it inside you, some people call it heart. They can call it many things. But the thing is that that internal dialogue that's going on in there, whether you can do it or whether you can't, is basically what's going to drive you, what's going to get there. But the other thing is that you've got to deserve it as well. So you have to change the deserving side of things. You have to feel you're deserving, and you probably, he's an American guy, heard of that guy. Is it Charlie Munger? He's a Warren, 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 Warren Buffett's um adv- uh, second hand man. Mm-hmm. You heard of him?
0: Who, again?
1: Uh, Charlie Charlie Munger. Is it Charlie Munger?
0: Oh, see, he's uh, he works with uh, um... Warren Buffett. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: No, he's not as rich as him. He's only one one point five billion.
0: Yeah. But Go he, ahead and sp- sp- spend your life spending that. That'd take a while. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. And he's supposed to have taught um, Warren Buffett many years ago that when Warren Buffett only used to work with small stocks, he said the risk is the same with small stocks as with big And it's supposed to have changed Warren Buffett's way of doing business. But there's another saying he has, which is amazing. And he says, the world is not crazy enough yet to reward a bunch of undeserving people. Wow. And I remember when he said that, that was like a light came out of my head. Because if we're going around and we don't deserve it, we don't feel we deserve it. You know, how can we achieve it? Because when we get to a state of, when it's starting to show up for us, and we feel we don't deserve it, we'll sabotage it in some way. Some way we'll sabotage it. So whether you feel that you don't deserve to be fit, whether you don't deserve to have this body, whether you don't deserve to have a certain amount of money, you will sabotage it. So you need to change your mindset first. And part of it is deserving you know this part, there's others there's the receiving you know there's as i said there's uh basically you know you got the self-forgiveness all these things are there and they all start shifting that part of you inside and that's when the joy starts to show up it starts to bubble up and basically when it starts to bubble up it's an amazing feeling because other people don't know what you're talking about and you're getting this it's like a something giggling inside you sure and it's it, when that starts to giggle, it's like, you know, did you ever think of something funny or something before to do with a kid or anything and you giggle inside? You know, it, it's like that, but it's nearly continuous. It's not all the time, but it's there. If you put your attention there, it's there. You could be all hanging the clothes out in the line. And this part you inside is giggling because you trained it to do that. Because the old training, the conditioning, you changed it. You shifted it. And Basically, it's just, these are um, important things. There's two other things I find that are there, and these are invisible to most people. That when we sabotage ourselves, we have a payoff. You know, and the payoff could be something, you know, I used to do this myself, I would go away and I would offer my services to everybody. When I say service, I mean physical. I would say, I do this for you, I do that for you. And, you know, you no, know, I'd help them here, I'd help them there. And you know, then people would come along to me and they'd see what I did. And they say, could you do that for me? And I would say, yes, and I do that for them. <clears throat> and then when they came to pay me, they would pay me way under the value of what I did. And I would take the money and I'd walk away and everything <laughs> typical, you know, the, they're mean and all that with all their money. And I would say it to some of my friends and, you know, here was the payoff for me. I was being right. They were wrong. And I was proving this over and over. So I was putting myself in situations where this was showing up. But here was the cost. The cost was for me to care for myself, self-love, you know, self-respect. Everything was going out the window. That I wasn't looking after me at all. I was actually looking for the payoff all the time. Or I'm a good person and they're a bad person. And I never even was aware of it. That I was doing this all my life. That at some stage it was gonna get this was gonna fall apart and I was gonna say they were wrong, I was right. But I set myself up. And now I don't do that anymore because I'm aware of it. And you know, there's always a payoff and a cost for most of us when we walk into that. And it's important that if we learn that, that at the end of the day the cost is really the downfall of us. It's what we're doing to ourselves.
0: So you learned at one point or another the value of what you were doing and to not undercharge yourself or not allow that to happen anymore because there's an exchange of energy that has to take place. Yes, yes,
1: but it was not only with – it wasn't only just with doing something for somebody. It had many other aspects of it where I would walk away and I would say I was right and they were wrong. Ah. Uh, but I was the one that got screwed. <laughs> <laughs> but still internally I was right and they were wrong. Right. You know? And you know, and but I set myself up for it. But it was always there was a cost then. The cost was to me internally. You know, and that's where it, the worst part of it is that the cost. The cost was ripping me apart, and I didn't even know it was there. I didn't even know the self-righteousness was there, even I had no idea, but there's things when you get into certain levels of the practice of meditation that suddenly you start seeing things. You start seeing things around you that you were totally unaware of all your life and you wish, <laughs> I of oh my God, I wish I'd have gone back and changed that. What kind of a tosser was I? Or what kind of an idiot was I back then that I was doing something like that? Because I didn't see the full picture. And that's part of it as well. We, when we get caught up in what we're doing, we get this narrow cone of vision. We don't see the pictures, you know and we just see the little piece at the side and we don't see the picture at all at all at all. And I believe me, I'm 100% guilty of that. Everything I'm guilty of.
0: <laughs> now by the way, we're talking with Williams Skinell and uh, he has written the book, The Ten Up System. And it is a weight loss book, and, and I would go get that and just and read it front to back, as he suggests that you do, and uh, um, it can help you in a myriad of ways. It can help you lose weight. It can also help you uh, uh, with your meditation skills and that sort of thing. You also mentioned, sir, that you teach classes now uh, over, over there. Do you do this live on the Internet, or you do this in, just in front of people? What do you do?
1: Uh, well, at the moment, um, I have no, I, uh, teaching classes myself, which I just advertised, they would be locally. Then I would teach in a college at night. Um, at the moment, I have the people that I was teaching locally on a Zoom class that I still teach. But I plan on doing a, in the next, i say two to three weeks, doing a, a much bigger version of it that I would go on meetup. Um, I would go on Everbright I think it's called and then invite people on and basically even though I would teach the practice of meditation there's lots of other areas that I would teach as well to give people paradigm shifts and when I say paradigm shifts they change the way they think now to a, a newer way of thinking but they still know the other way of thinking if they want to revert back there but I know they won't it's like before people used to use cash all the time everywhere or a checkbook now they use a credit card. Right. They use PayPal. It's just a shift that, you know, now it's so much easier to use a credit card or PayPal than to write out a check and to carry your checkbook everywhere with you. It's just a shift of how you look at things, you know, and it's basically as far as when I was writing the book, actually, it, it had a lot to do with Michelle because I spoke up really uh, about helping one woman to reduce body fat and the book became um, burn fat fast through the revolutionary 10 up system and all it was was that I was just trying to advise somebody to remove their body fat, I never say lose body fat because if you're losing your mind it always goes looking for something you lost <laughs> if we lose point. something around the house yeah. you go looking for it, I don't want you to take bring it back, if you want to remove it, remove it not lose it So basically it's just that within the book, it's really about changing how you see things. Um, Basically it's about reorganizing your mind and your brain. It's really, that's a lot of it is how we organize, how we look at things, how we do things, you know, um, there's lots of techniques out there. I teach some of these in my class outside of the meditation because sometimes in today's world, people want everything, boom, 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 click, like that. They, like, they get Googled, they Google this, they Google that, you know, and they find it straight away, but at the end of the day, they're getting nothing from it. Right. And so basically, like, you can get a million people that will teach you meditation. When I say a million people, every Tom, Dick and Harry goes to one class, and then they're a meditation teacher. We get psychologists teaching meditation. We get, you know, right across the board, a Reiki person that did a weekend class suddenly is advertising they're teaching meditation and they don't even know what meditation is. And that's the funny thing is a lot of these people that are teaching meditation could not even tell you what meditation is. And it kills, well, it doesn't kill me, but it doesn't bother. When I hear these people say, especially in the mindfulness industry of, you know, stopping thought is like trying to stop this, a wave or the ocean coming in or stopping the tide. It is for them. That's it. For them it is impossible. It's not for the rest. So if they want to stay stuck there where they say it's impossible and that is stopped all thought, then that's fine because I normally within the first class I would give people an experience of stopping all thought have no thought at all. Just for those few moments. And all these people are teaching that you can't do it. So if I can show them how to do it within, you know, in the space of uh, 10 minutes, that's kind of debunking what they're saying, that you can't do it. They're saying it's like stopping the tide. And when you hear them saying that and everybody listening, like it's, uh, it's the truth, because all these famous people that practice meditation through the thing was all about stopping thought.
0: Oh yeah. So by the way, William, if somebody would like, if this resonates with someone and they would like to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, um, my William Scannell, I suppose, 888 at gmail.com. So that's like William, W-I-L-L-I-A-M, Scannell, S C A N. N-E-L-L-888 at gmail.com. So, but I will soon be starting up some classes where one I kind of starts up locally. It's called, I have it as a the Joy, Self-Care and Meditation. And that's just kind of when I started, when I set up a meetup class with it. Uh, through this uh, corona and what well, I did but I, I never used Meetup before so I locked myself into into the city of Cork <laughs> so it's only the people in Cork see it as such but the whole thing is about activating that joy the joy is always there because you see a baby and the baby is smiling happy unless something makes them uncomfortable Right. you know they, they, they start out like that but we condition them to change that, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, we even, you know, there's funny things that happens around when we're babies as well that I've seen now that affects all our lives, affects our relationships with our partners, everything where we find at a very young age where we think something works and we carry it on through our lives and we're unaware of it. And this, and now I see it everywhere. I didn't before. It's like a child when it's two years of age it's found that when I scream and I shout mom comes running to me mom gives me this mom gives me that and everything but if I'm quiet I get nothing so then they go into a relationship and they scream and shout and (laughs) and they're not getting the reaction so then they get more angry they get twisted and they could end the relationship or else they just you know really feel anger towards that person what happened was they got conditioned from a young age that like, this works and they take it on their life. And it's, it's only when somebody points it out to them that they can actually normally rectify it, that it's there and it's destroying their relationships. You know, and, you know, some of us have so much anger inside us, that you know, just deserving. Again, we attract partners that are the worst for us. And I used to do this. I was brilliant at this. I used to, I used to go after girls that I would thought would make my life miserable. I didn't know that. I used to call them <laughs> a challenge. I used to, think, I, used to yep. think they were, I always wanted a girl that was a challenge.
0: Yeah. No, the... she was.
1: <laughs> I thought I was going to help them. They were just going to break me.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's. That, yeah. That's. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yes.
1: But you don't have to. No. This is where training is doing this to you. It's because. Within me, I didn't feel I deserved a nice relationship, a nice, calm relationship with a nice woman. I would look at her, and i go, no, nah. and I see this one over there that would be really angry, really bitchy, and i go, wow. <laughs> but the thing was, that tell you how twisted I was.
0: Well, and there's also the, the you know, you, you see a beautiful woman who's got a great personality, and you're, and the first thing that crosses your mind is, she'll never want to date me.
1: Yes, or uh, you'll say you could. You know, here's another one that they would say something like that is they'd look at him, and go, God, you know, I'd never be able to hold on to her. Every other guy we chase, ah, there you go. That's because, but that's internal dialogue. Yeah. Internal dialogue says, no. I actually had a friend in my life called Audrey. Audrey was the first time I saw Audrey, I thought, wow. I remember her when she was getting up on the horse. I used to have a horse before and show jumping and stuff. And she used to ride. And when she had her um, riding gear on and her jacket on, it used to show off her figure so much. But it wasn't only that. She was a stunner looking. And I remember meeting her. And we clicked like amazing. We just clicked. And she was so beautiful inside as well. And I had no interest in her. None whatsoever, there was no challenge here. <laughs> we became, we were living in each other's ears as friends. Yeah. Never looked at her like a woman, because she was so nice. I didn't feel I deserved anything like that. Internally, I didn't know that. I wanted someone that would be bitchy, that would pull me on everything, that would make my life tough, and I, believe me, I found them.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you did. You're successful and... at that, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: And that's why I'm single today, and I've always been single, (laughs) because each girl I picked was really the one that was sooner or later, you would see it, that the way she would treat her friends, you would know straight away that sooner or later, when the romance or the lust goes out of it, you're going to meet her. Yes. And they always showed up. And the thing is that, you know, that's what I always... Went for. I was attracted to them. The nice girl, no way. But a lot of us are like that. We don't feel we deserve. Again, it's deserving. We don't deserve a nice relationship. Right. Why would you want a nice relationship?
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Why
1: would you want to be in love with everything's great? Everything is, you know. There's a really beautiful equilibrium between you. No, I couldn't have that. We we want to be fighting all the time and then make up. And because this is part of our conditioning and we see
0: we're searching for the drama and that's that's part of the yes. drama and uh, yes
1: without a doubt, but it but we've been conditioned to do that yeah the drama. That's we true. don't really need it of course we don't need it but at the end of the day you know again part of this remember i said the payoff no <laughs> i was right she was wrong <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes indeed yes and, indeed. And,
1: but the thing is that you know when you said um as far as you know when we spoke about, uh, you mentioned that they could contact me in some way or that. But part of my teaching is that you know, there's another part of it as well as that I teach in these classes is forgiveness, self-forgiveness, is that's very important. It's not about forgiving the other person; it's about forgiving yourself. And this is part of the things that showed up for me in meditation, because things would have happened in my life, and I wouldn't even know it, but I wouldn't have forgiven myself for it. And I would think you need to forgive that person, but it wasn't. I needed to forgive me.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's where I was missing it. I didn't know that I needed to forgive me. Because when I say forgive me, I mean that internal dialogue, that inner child, whatever you want to call it, the subconscious mind. That's the part to me, needed the forgiveness. But again, I needed to give it to me.
0: Exactly. And
1: I wasn't doing that, and most people don't do that. And at the end of the day, you know, again, you know, this our education system should be teaching this. You
0: know, should be, you know, they never here, will, but they should yeah, be. Yeah, don't,
1: but don't ever say that they never will. But the thing is, is then you make it so. Well, true. But the, so the thing is that everybody will admit, even the hardened criminals, that we all want some type of love in our life. And if we start directing it internally and give self love and self care, then this is what we're looking outside for. Like when we're chasing that girl out there, or we're chasing that, or the girl is chasing the man, or whatever way it works, the thing is she's looking out there for that person to give herself or himself what they're not giving themselves. So you're now, because you're not giving it to you, you're looking out there. And you're looking out there for it. When you should look inside and give it inside first. And then... Outside is a plus. But unfortunately, we are not willing to give it inside. We're looking for him to give it to me, her to give it to me, you know. And then we have to go in, most of us put on a charade because it's not really us meeting this person. We're putting on this charade of who we are to attract this person, to have this person in our lives. And the thing is that we change ourselves or identity just to suit them in most cases. But the thing is that we need to focus that internally. And once we change it internally, everything shifts externally. So whatever you're looking from that person out there, you know, I wish somebody loved me, love yourself. Once you start doing that, you trigger the joy inside and the joy starts showing up. And you know, that other person might come running after you rather you running after them, but then they're all just an added bonus.
0: Absolutely. You're
1: once you're happy internally, but you can shift internally. But unfortunately, as I said, teachers don't teach this. The school don't teach this, you know, some people say, you know, love yourself. And you, they heard it somewhere and they, they, they repeat it. You know, they tell you practice gratitude. It is, you know, a lot of these people that are telling you practice gratitude, you don't even know what gratitude is. You know, at the end of the day is that you have to feel the gratitude and but you have to do the gratitude in ways. And I know Michelle teaches this as well, is that you see a lot of people do gratitude and they're pleasing the ego. Is that I did this for them. Right. But if you go away and you do something for somebody and you do it and you don't tell anybody and you don't say I'm a good person, because that's half the problem. We're turning around and we're doing it to somebody else. So our payoff is I'm a good person. I didn't really do it for them my payoff is i'm a good person look what i did and i can't tell to, way to tell somebody else you know at the end of the day and michelle teaches all this in she tells you you know to give but act um in a way of you know that you nobody knows you did it you know, right give somewhere then. and it's, it's the same thing because when people give and they want to be acknowledged for it they really didn't give because no. they want You know, this is their feeding their ego. So they're just going back to everything they're trying to do is the opposite of what they're trying to achieve, you know, and it comes down to this, you know, that even the stuff that Michelle, you know, when I say even, when what Michelle teaches, it's like, you know, you walk into a, a room, okay, and there's a TV on and the TV is a station on, okay. And we just say it's a violent movie and that's the movie of your life. Now, in that room... There's loads of other frequencies coming into that TV. But that TV is only picking up the frequency that it's dialed into right now.
0: Right.
1: Now, for most of us, we don't know there's a remote control in the room. And that remote control can change that station. That's changing our life. That's changing our way of looking at things. We can change that movie to a happy movie, to a positive movie. But most of us are unaware of it because we're locked up in this world of our own where basically... This is the way it has to be. But your life is like that TV. Just switch the station. Learn how to switch the station. If I could learn it, you can learn it. And really, you know, there's just a few techniques to do it. And it can be done and it can be achieved. Because as I said, I was miserable. You know, we look at some people there and we say, oh, they have everything. They have the money, they have the luck, And, you know, it feels like they have everything. And then you look at other people and everything goes wrong for them. They seem to be embedded in sadness. The minute they meet you, they tell you all the bad news. They tell you what happened there, what happened there, what happened over in Libya, what happened over here. But, you know, it's all, again, states of mind. It's like we've all gone into relationships and we got to a state where we met somebody and we may have fell in love with them or it's just lust right now when we're in that state of mind even when we're not with that person we couldn't care less what's going on in syria what's going on in libya what's going on anywhere in the world right now our state of mind is in love with this person and our whole world can just go around it and that is the exact same thing you can do internally where you can shift internally where it's not a case you don't care about the world but those negative things don't affect you anymore because the first thing somebody comes to tell you and pay attention to the next person you meet about the information they share with you. And you see, most of the information they share is negative or doom or gloom. You know, you know the TV even has so little good news.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not much at all these days.
1: Good, yeah, good news is no news.
0: <laughs> yeah, turn it so, off. That's yeah, the, that's,
1: and re, really that's it, you know, it's, um, but it's tapping into that, you know, it, it's like what we're talking about here is like you're tapping into your energy source, but you're tapping into your secondary energy source, and Exactly. I know me, Michelle has, this is not my, um, shall we say, my quote, this would be more on Michelle's, it's like, um, it's like, did you ever come home from work, and, or from school, and you're really, really tired? You could be burnt out and all you're fit for is to vegetate or just lay out on the sofa or lay down in the bed. And you get a phone call or you get, a, in some way, somebody makes contact to, you, to tell you that person that you fancy or you're crazy about or a football team that you always wanted to play with suddenly say you can play with them. Suddenly you jump up, you're full of life, into the shower, change, clean up, you're out the door like a bullet. All right, women put on a little bit of makeup, makeup as well. So out the door, you're like a bullet to get to where you wanted to get. Now, here's the thing. You were exhausted. You were burnt though. You were fit for nothing but the coach. Where did that energy come from? What happened was the thought of that person triggered this energy inside you. And this energy is there 24-7. You're just unaware of it. It's there all the time. And when you learn to tap into it, it's amazing. You can shift from, from that where you just want to lie down the couch, full of energy. Now there- just right now. Sorry?
0: Well, I was just going to say that there are some people in this world that can help you do that because it's it, it's a process that, that if you want to make the changes, it's a process to go through. I would highly suggest that you go to michelleblood.com and, and listen to some of the things that she has to say. If you're interested at all in making a change in your life, she would be a great resource, as is William. And so, William, uh, your, your email again, so if somebody wants to contact you, they can they can find you.
1: It's uh, yeah, William, it's W-I-L-L-I-A-M, scandal, S-C-A-N-N-E-L-L, 888 at gmail.com and I concur what he says about Michelle. She's amazing and you know the the other thing is that you have to say that about her is that she's understanding. She's (laughs) really amazing understanding. She's got very down to earth. uh, Yes, but but it's more of that is that when you start going through this and you start shifting and changing, she understands it. Yes. Not only does she understand it, she basically can resonate with it. And the amazing things that were, I taught it once or twice, there not more, lots, many more times of once or twice, because I had so much stuff to let go of. I had clogged up my subconscious mind with so much crap. For me to let go of that, I had to go through things, because most of the stuff that's inside us has to bubble up through us to, mo- to move on. Sometimes it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but it's just like a lake. If you go in, you see a lovely lake, and then a wind comes along and starts up, and you see all the muck, you say, where did all the muck come from? The muck was always there. You were just unaware of it. And so what happens is this muck has to come up, and anybody that tells you you don't feel it, I think they're lying, it comes up to you because it's part of you. It's part of your energy. And sometimes it feels unpleasant. And you know... (laughs) As Michelle kind of, when she speaks to you about that and, you know, that everything is okay and this is the normal process, because that's where I was because I had so much gunk to release. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had it. I mean, I, I was buried in it. And she is amazing that way. And at the same time, you know, she has this thing, um, compassion. Yes, She puts up with a lot with us <laughs> When I say us, me in particular
0: <laughs> She's very compassionate and She anyway. has
1: put up with a lot I mean, my God
0: <laughs> So we're talking today, we've been talking with William Scannell Is that is Scannell correct? Scan scandal. Scannell Scannell, Scannell. Very good, William Scannell <laughs> And he is from Ireland I don't know if you can, you can judge him from that You can But he's a fine young man, and we've enjoyed having you on the podcast today, sir. And it it will, and I'm glad you're here because you're going to help somebody. Before we go, is there anything? Is there any closing capsule of thought that you would like to uh, give? A little nugget that you'd like to give our audience.
1: Um, remember what you—the way your life is now—is what you have fed your subconscious mind up to now. So be aware of what you're feeding it now because that's what's going to show up in the future. So right now, make a conscious decision of what you want your future to be. So be aware of what you're feeding it because what you fed it before has brought you to where you are right now. So you can actually make the change yourself. And always, I know this may sound crazy, put yourself first. When I say put yourself first is look after yourself first because you're no good to anybody else if you look after them first it's like they say on the airplane put the mask on yourself first and the child second because you're not much good to anybody unless you look after yourself first that's part of self-care and if somebody gives you a compliment say thank you it doesn't matter even if your hair is all over just say thank you
0: Again, we've been talking with William, and I appreciate you being on the podcast today, young man. It's it's you you must be tired now. Go get some rest. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Not one bit tired. Yeah, it's a, an uplifting conversation, and I highly recommend that you talk to. You know, it's interesting. Just in in parting. Because uh, I've gotten to know Michelle a little bit, and I'm getting to know you a little bit. The energy that you guys have that that is just flows through you freely. We all have that ability. We just don't yes. access it, and you have, and it's and you can help others do the same.
1: Well, I won't say we don't access access access. It's we don't know how. Right. And it's like I said a while ago about that girlfriend or that event suddenly you have all that energy and you're saying where did that come from and that's more your secondary energy it's not really your main energy so your main energy is bigger again but the thing is that when you access that that thought of that person triggered it so you didn't even know you did it but it happened so the thing is that right now for most people they don't know how to do it it happens during that romantic time during that lost time Even when you go out at night in the nightclub and you're dancing around, you feel great with your friends and then you wake up next morning, you wonder where all that energy is gone. Because there was this vibration of that room, that people, everything shifted in you and you just felt alive and invincible during that time. But at the end of the day, it's learn how to activate it. And if you don't know how to activate it, it's just going to, you're going to just get times like that where you, as I said, fall in love and basically, you know, I heard before somebody say, if you really want happiness for a month, get married.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's about right. I was married for 24 years, and the first month was great. (laughs) (laughs) After that, it went steadily downhill for the next 23 years, 11 months.
1: The thing is, you can activate it. You can learn how to activate it. It's just right now, you do not know how.
0: So go talk to Michelle Blood, go talk to William, and they can help you activate it. With With that, by the way, you're listening to My Independent Report. Thank you so much, William, for being on the program. And you take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we got. See you next time on my independent tree